highlighting all the local and national stories which impact you. Isn't it amazing that the issues we had in the 60s with people killing us, now we're killing us, and we're not saying anything about it. Had white people come through Milwaukee and started killing black people, the world would have stopped on its axis because so many people would have shown up to defend the neighborhood. But yet crime is literally out of control. And we're talking about it? It's an issue? What is your plan? What's the secret? Bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. Milwaukee, like many other major cities in the United States, has some issues that we have to work on. And that's no secret. And I've been talking about those issues over the course of my campaign for mayor. You're joking, right? Talking about it? Where's the plan? We keep talking about plans and talking about strategies. Where is the plan? What are we doing? Frank, candid, and straight to the point. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. It's decimating the black community. Yeah, because y'all don't eat right. So when you get sick because you don't eat right, because you're overweight, and nobody tells you because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because we live in a world now where if you hurt somebody's feelings, you might get arrested. It's ridiculous. Idiotic. If you know you're not supposed to have certain things because you have diabetes, don't eat it. Oh, but it tastes so good. Okay. Tell that to your children and your grandchildren who won't see you because you decided to eat. Doesn't make any sense to me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. Welcome into the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, live from American Family Insurance Studio at Radio City. I am your fill-in host, Jason Fields, filling in for the great Dr. Ken Harris, who is on assignment. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's good to be back in the studio, DZ. Good to see you controlling the boards as always. And today is election day, and so we'll be discussing, you know, in maybe the second hour. Who did you vote for? Why? What do you expect? What are you looking for? Is it the same old thing that we've been doing? And so we'll talk about that. But I have for you all a dear friend, uh, one of the baddest women I know in the state of Wisconsin, Dr. Christina Outlay, Ph.D., is an associate professor of information technology at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater and founder of Color Coded. Uh, Dr. Outlay is also the executive director of MADEM, which we'll get into. She's married, a mom of four, chronic overachiever who is constantly juggling multiple priorities. She is Chi-Town. She is a Chicago native and currently resides near Madison, Wisconsin, in my neck of the woods. Uh, Christina worked with cyber girls and cyber high programs at UW-Whitewater beginning in 2012, became the UW-Whitewater Cyber Girls Camp Director in 2015. While running the Cyber Girls Camp, she was concerned that while the camp was growing every year in numbers, there was not enough diversity in the types of campers participating. I'm going to say that again. 
Here you have African-American woman who was concerned about the campers participating in cyber girls, meaning it wasn't enough people of color participating in cyber camp jobs of the future. Data analysts, STEM, science, technology, engineering and math. We'll get into that. Seeing this as an opportunity, she developed Cyber Girls Color Coded. That same year as a one-time outreach program with a grant and support from UW-Whitewater, after successful completion of the initial effort, Christina expanded Color Color Coded and made it available to all youth. Christina holds a BA in psychology, a master's in information systems from DePaul University, and a PhD in management information systems from the University of Illinois, Chicago. She has 12 years of corporate experience from State Farm Insurance, Allstate Insurance, Apartments.com, and the U.S. Navy Reserve. I could go on and on, you all, but I kind of want to get to this and introduce you to all my friends and introduce her to you. And Christina Doc said, uh, I saw her Facebook post. She said, when I first met Jason, it was like talking to a cousins who you've been playing spades with. Dr. Outlay, what's, what's going down, Doc? <laughs> hey, Mr. Jason Fields, my brother. I was just listening to you. You may own that woman you describing sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's why, I put, that's why I put your face first. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, Yes, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me on today. You know what? So I want to get into a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about. I gave your, you know, your background a little bit, but you are a professor at Whitewater and you are the executive director of MADO. Can you, for the listening audience and a beautiful African-American woman, married, kids, and you know what, Doc? I saw you on Facebook dancing. Your husband out there just letting you... (laughs) Let you train all of other people like that. <laughs> you, you, you take care of you, you, right you're, you're a health guru too, for, for for if I'm correct. You that's in well, your repertoire. Yeah. <laughs> a group exercise yes, I am a group exercise instructor. I teach at Prison Club East currently. I've also taught at the Sun Prairie and East YMCA's here and a few other places over the ten years that I've been here in Madison area and before that as well. It is um, something that I have to take a break from every now and then, but mostly is beneficial for me because it gives me a chance to fellowship and to keep myself moving, to be honest. Um, But also the type of exercise we do is, as you can see, yeah, we're dancing around and we're also moving and jumping and doing birthdays and stuff too and working out really hard. It's a just a nice emotional release. And I put it out there too because it's a part of me. I don't hide any of that. Out you know what? On the, the social internet. That, that, that's why I love you. I think it's great. I think you, not only are you helping our young girls with Black Girl Magic being all they can be, you're helping our young boys, and you're helping us by staying fit and being an example. So let me get into this. If you could explain to the listening audience what Madem is, your mission, and give me the vision and how you came about uh, getting ended up ending up at Madem. Absolutely. Madem is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. We are Madison based and have been in existence since 2015. I have just joined Madem this past January as its new executive director, following its original founder and executive director, Winnie Karanja. And 
made them started focusing on girls primarily and a pretty wide range of youth from third grade through 12th grade with the intention of exposing more of our girls in particular, but also our youth of color to opportunities and careers in STEM. So what we do currently is we focus on 6th through 12th graders, and that's rising 6th through 12th graders. We do have girls-only programs, but we also have all-gender programs, and we primarily focus on youth of color, particularly those groups that are underrepresented in STEM. Our goal is to provide awareness, education, skill-based training, and also, most recently as of last year, actual experience through high school internships. Now, when we talk about STEM, we are looking at science, technology, engineering, and math. However, our programs focus pretty heavily on the technology and engineering in STEM, although we have programs that span all areas. Our goal is not just to provide fun camps or awareness or fun activities, but really to ultimately get more of our girls and more of our black and brown youth on the path to a STEM career. Now, how, how I got involved with Madem, so I'm trying to make sure I answer all parts of your question, came through a progression, I think, through that whole background that you gave at the beginning of this interview, and that was being a woman, a black woman, who's worked in technology for years, and often the only woman in the room, or the only black person in the room, or the only person of color, period, in the room, um, I know what the environment is like in terms of exclusion and um, just the things, the obstacles that we overcome in order to navigate the career. Also see firsthand how we are not represented as well in the career, particularly IT, because that's my specific background within STEM. And also working through Cyber Girls and just interacting in general with the community. I've also directly seen how um, our people in particular don't necessarily see IT or STEM as an environment that is for us or available to us or, or comfortable mm -hmm. and attractive to us to pursue. And yet, as the future is going the forward... Nope, you're good. Keep going, Doc. IT, <laughs> <laughs> IT is all around us. It's ubiquitous. And more and more of what we're doing is being driven by data and technology and Internet and online access. And so we have to be able to work within that field. We also have to be able to navigate and find a place for us at the table. We need to make sure that the tools that are out there are tools that are beneficial for us. So as you mentioned, working with UW-Whitewater and Cyber Girls, uh, we were attracting girls. We weren't attracting a lot of black and brown girls or even girls that were more from Milwaukee or Madison. It was much more from the areas closer to Whitewater. And even moving into the Madison area with Color Coded, there was opportunity to do more work in the area. Madem was already up and running, and Madem focused heavily on software development and coding. You heard coding, you know, all the time mm -hmm. in the activities that were available. And working within IT, I know that there's a whole lot more that you can do besides code. And in fact, even the term code turns some of our kids off because it sounds like it's boring and super technical. So my goal was to focus more on all of the other areas within technology and innovation that are beyond coding, but also provide a wealth of opportunities for our youth. Um, eventually, 
particularly since the Maytons founder was moving on and Maytons was looking to bring in um, a new executive director, program manager, and so on, but also potentially to merge our separate efforts into one that provided an opportunity for me to come on board at Maytom and provide that broader view and allow um, Winnie to move on to other efforts, but also allow me to step into an organization that had a bigger footprint and have a bigger impact. Well, they hit a home run, Doc. Uh, w- without question, they hit a home run. And we will have more conversations with Dr. Christina Outlay, you know, a bad black girl, magic woman, representer, advocate. We'll have more, con- we'll more, com- more conversations talking with the doctor on how do we get more black girls and more youth into these areas in technology. So this is Jason Fields and The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. We'll be right back. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at Radio City. I am your fill-in host, Jason Fields, for the great Dr. Ken Harris, who is on assignment. And today we are speaking to the blueprint of black girl magic, Dr. Christina Outlay, good friend, sister. And we've been discussing, you know, not just, you know, how we get children of color youth into technology because i don't want to limit it dot but more importantly if you could why do we need more children of color taking the mantle of technology science technology engineering and math i mean why do we need it it's one thing for how but if you could, you've seen this from a professor point of view, from a corporate America point of view, from an instructor. Why do we need more kids of color involved in this? We, we definitely we need it for a few different reasons. And I'll, I'll begin with money. Um, oh, and you cream, know what? Right? Get, ring the bell. Around <laughs> all of us. <laughs> ring the bell. Jeez. I love that answer. <laughs> Yes, we know we are in a a country and a state where there's a huge wealth gap and you have our our black families and our brown families who are at the bottom of that gap and making, you know, 17 to 20 thousand dollars as household income. And at the same time, we have a field where individual incomes are starting at 60,000 plus more and more. And that's straight out of college, in some cases, not even requiring a college degree. And yet in this same area, which is STEM in, in technology and engineering and um, science in particular, you have a shortage of available potential candidates for jobs. And that's a shortage across the board, not even just among our people of color, but there are not enough people to fill jobs. So we have an area here that is a very high paying area, an area that needs more workers and that pays a ton of money and is actively working to, well, I'm going to say, quote, unquote, actively working to increase diversity within the industry. And at the same time, we have the very demographics that we're trying to reach who are living at the bottom of that wealth gap. So we can potentially fill these jobs, high paying jobs with a progressive moving career and provide the wealth and economic support that our families need 
um, at the same time. Also, if we think about products and services that are out there, I'm sure that many of us have heard about, for instance, um, Apple and face recognition and security cameras and facial recognition and how those types of cameras and video systems don't recognize black faces as well or Negroid features as well or distinguish between different Asian faces. And there are reasons for that. Part of the reason is that most of that technology is being developed by white males. And working in technology myself, I know that when you test products, you're supposed to test them across a diverse target audience. In reality, you end up testing them with your buddies and your colleagues who are mm. right across the floor. And so you have products that work quite well if you're testing them for white men. They don't work as well for women. They definitely don't work as well for us who have different features and different skin tones. More of us being at the table enables us to produce products that perform better for us, but also that serve us better and take away some of the systematic bias that exists within a number of different societal systems today. Now, that sounds like I just made a big jump, but let me tell you why I didn't. More and more, we're depending on data, and we're depending on artificial intelligence and business decision-making, but also in decisions being made by judges in criminal courts, part of which is software that determines how likely um, someone is to be a repeat offender, for instance, if you are up before a judge and they're determining a sentence for you or whether or not to give you probation. And there actually were a lot of sensational headlines in the fairly recent past of software that was being used for that purpose that was based on data that was faulty data. If we think about arrests and the number of black men who are typically arrested for a crime as compared to white men or white women arrested for certain crimes, the data itself is slanted and so the decisions that are made by this software are also slanted and yet they're determining more than they should the types of sentences that we get as a people the judicial system already tends to be biased against us then the software does as well based on the data now if we have more of us who are working on that type of software we're more likely to recognize these issues not just in the fact that there's missing data but also in the results that come about and to be more on alert that's a big example but even if we think about just the face facial recognition face id and stuff like that getting those systems to work better for us means that we have to be at the table. And if I take technology out, just think about when you've seen advertisements, right, or movies that come out and you think there's no way on earth anybody black was at that table when they came up with this idea, right? Mm. The same thing applies to our technology and our products and services. That, I, the big I, thing is money. The second thing is, is a future and products that serve us better. You know, I you know that I hope to God everybody just heard what you said and I'm going to make sure we replay this and particularly that portion about the software and systems being developed that are now being used in the criminal justice system. I mean, it's so much it's so many things that we don't know in our community. And so we end up sleeping, for lack of a better phrase, on these things. And I want I want all our callers to hit the talk and text line at 833-212-1017 or call into the truth line at 833-212-1017. Doc, let me ask you this question. Given the fact that, you know, we historically we see more African-American women doing better in education and in, you know, in, in grade school, high school, dare I say, at the co collegiate level. 
that being said, why don't we? Why do we still have to deal with this sort of? We don't. We're not. Meet, we're not meeting the mark, right? Like we're still fighting to get people of color in these fields, even when African American women are doing better. There are a few reasons. Part of which is due to environment, and we do have black women who are, in fact, even pursuing some STEM fields and not necessarily seeing companies that are providing a welcoming environment for them or job applications or job descriptions that are put out there that still have biased language or otherwise are unappealing or in cases where there are some black women who are even applying for those positions, they're not getting them because of issues with the hiring process um, or getting access to the opportunities because of the recruitment approaches that some companies use. So there's a system approach, but there's also the way that we work on attracting girls and teenagers in particular to the field. What I've seen is that by high school, a lot of our girls, especially black girls, are already thinking about what they want to do as a career. And if they haven't already been exposed to STEM in a way that appeals to them, then it's very hard to convince them to come and check it out at that stage. It's not impossible because we certainly get high schoolers in, Mm -hmm. but it is much, much more difficult. And the approach that we take, however, is to talk a lot about code and coding, and that will appeal to some who are specifically interested in coding, but it turns a lot of girls off because you have girls who are interested in other areas. And we we know that girls and women in general tend to be more interested in helping and taking care of others and contributing to society or music or um, fashion or things like that. And so what we need to do is repackage what we are presenting so that it shows that we can leverage multiple interests in a way that goes beyond just selling this image of sitting in front of a computer writing code. Um, We've been trying to do that already with Madem through graphic design, fashion design, uh, healthcare systems that you can use that marry technology with healthcare and nursing Mm. and things like that. So it's much more attractive in showing what you can do and projects that you can complete as opposed to just teaching a language or something like that. Doctor, can we go into that a little bit more? What do you what do you all offer at Madem? And then number two, how can people if they they say, Jason, hey, we're interested. I want to I want my child to participate. How do they get involved? Okay. I'll give one example because you've said Black Girl Magic a lot since we've been talking and I gotta shout out Rosa Thompson for a minute and the Black Girl Magic Educational Services because we partnered with her organization a couple times, one of which was a fashion design Saturday workshop where we had girls come and they did fashion designs first, drawing them, but then we taught them how to use some graphic design software in order to create graphic digital representations of their designs and then introduce them to ways that you can then add in programming and game design to create those digital images or even to close the characters that are in video games and how that can be a bridge into game development and software development and um, even some digital animation that you might see in the movies. So we don't just talk about, hey, let's code or 
but we present it in a way that is interesting because you can do other things. We also recreated a game, speaking of game development, called Game Na that a black woman created because she was tired of people touching her hair. And she actually created an online game where hands were coming to try to touch her hair and saying phrases, stereotypical phrases, and her characters just smacking the hands, right? You score what? points based on how many hands you smack away. <laughs> so we created a kind of a prototype of that. We all need to play that, that game. We had the girls build it. I know, right? We all need to play <laughs> that game. We had the girls build that game. <laughs> That's not easy. There you go. We 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 gotta we gotta promote that game. <laughs> we we've yes. all been there. <laughs> Yeah, it was created by a black woman. So what it helped us show was that black women do these types of things. They do them for a reason and to address issues. And we had a whole conversation about microaggressions that went along with that. And so that was appealing, more appealing than if we said, here, we're going to teach you how to write some code. You get to address an issue, a societal issue or a need or create new products and services. And so it gives you a bigger, broader experience. You know what? We're going to we're going to come back right after the break. This is the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on a new 1017 The Truth. We are talking to Dr. Christina Outlay on how and why we need more children of color in the technology arenas and industries. Be right back. Welcome back. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from American Family Insurance Studio at Radio City. I am Jason Fields, filling in for the great Dr. Ken Harris, who is on assignment. The Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival is Saturday, August 20th, and it will be a day filled with great music, food, fun, and Grammy-nominated jazz saxophonist Richard Elliott will be performing live. Tune in to The Truth with my good friend Sherwin Hughes all week long as he will be giving away a pair of tickets each day to the Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival located right on Kenosha's beautiful lakefront. We are talking with dear friend Dr. Christina Outlay, Executive Director of MADEM, and we are talking about how do we get and sustain and grow our children of color into technology, the areas of science, technology, engineering, math. And so, Doc, question for you, and before I ask that question, make sure you all call into the Truth Line at 833-212-1017. You can also follow 1017 The Truth on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My question, Doc, is who should be making, how do we get to a point where, you know, should, should schools be talking about this stuff? I mean... And, and I don't want to go down the pathway of what schools are and aren't doing and all that. But, you know, is it a fair assessment to say if some schools were have this as a priority, then maybe Maidem wouldn't have to do as much? Is that a fair question? Um, it, it is a fair thing to say. It is not an easy thing to implement given schools have a shortage of qualified educators or educators who have the time to provide the training that our youth needed. And and in some schools, more than others, we don't have access to resources. So what what MADEM is able to do is to level that playing field somewhat Mm -hmm. by supporting the schools, those that we're able to partner with, because we can provide the education 
and sometimes that's during school or after school, but also by being able to provide access to the resource and the equipment and even just the online access that our youth in particular need in order to be able to learn more. I will say within the school system, we do need more counselors and more teachers and administrators. And, you know, even outside of school, parents and other influential figures who will direct our youth to at least explore the opportunities that are available in STEM. I know when my kids were in fifth grade, I think that's when they started to do the career inventories and things like that. And the closest you got was a generic engineer category. I definitely didn't hear very many talking about going into information technology or artificial intelligence, you know, or something like that. And then there was this, you know, computer science term that none of them really knew, you know, what that was. So we don't have enough direct exposure to STEM. We definitely don't have enough understanding of what it takes to go into STEM. You have a lot of educators who still think that you have to have an extremely strong math background and do a lot of math to work in STEM. And that's not necessarily true, depending on the area that you go in. So educators either having the time or the resources available to provide the education to the students directly is one thing we need. Counselors and other influential figures providing direction and exposure and supporting youth who want to go in that area. That's another thing that we need as well. And then partnerships with orgs like us to provide the exposure is what we need. Now you touched on, you know, the, the education community, I agree, and it should be teachers, administrators. Uh, and, and I do think policymakers, uh, as a former policymaker, I am almost hell bent on making sure we are consistently talking about how to get more people of color into these industries, into this field. Because as you said before, a lot of it has to do with the future. There's money on the table. Uh, these are great jobs. These are pathways to build great communities. And what can the community do? I mean, what should the community be doing if we know that this is an area where we lack? As a black community, what should we be doing to, to, to go after this stuff? We should definitely look at the opportunities. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard black people don't do that or it's too hard or I ain't trying to go to school for that long <laughs> um, or other things that we see as potential barriers or reasons why it's not something that is for black people. We as a community, and, and don't get me wrong, STEM and STEM jobs are not going to be for everybody, right? It takes all of us to do different things to keep the world going. But too many of us steer clear of it just because it's an unknown area and don't explore the opportunity or automatically think that we can't do it. Um, as a community, we need to support those who are interested in going into the field, making sure we provide exposure along with other areas career areas as well, not directing our youth solely to, well, we talk a lot about trades now instead of four-year colleges, and in fact, networking and computer hardware and other areas within technology in particular are trades, essentially. It's time for us to start viewing those as mm. trades as well. There are things that are 
skills that you can learn and you can use right away. It doesn't necessarily require a four-year degree to go into those areas, but the emphasis when we're looking at trades has largely been on, um, you know, construction or carpentry or painting or something like that. And we are still doing our community and our youth a disservice when we look right over technology careers. And I have had this conversation with you, yes, you, you know, you, back, so I know I'm preaching you, to the choir. You know where I'm at. <laughs> so let's go to uh, line two, Derek. What you got for us? Hi. Uh, to the young lady that you're talking to right now, um, I'd like to say that I appreciate her, and, and I'm going to say thank her for looking out for our youth. And, and what else can I say? I, I love her. And, and don't forget the boys. The boys need the help, too. And uh, thank you. Appreciate you. No, that's and good. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Derek. I, I know we are all not just proud. Uh, I don't even know if I'm proud of Dr. Ale. I'm just in awe all the time when we talk and I see her. And so, um, Doc, you mentioned something, and I because we we did talk about this, and you you did say we, we are we just we opened it up a lot of our programs to youth. Period. And so. You, mm-hmm. you you mentioned this to me, and I want you to expand on this. Uh, DZ, can we go to break and then come back and expand on this? Uh, let's go to break, and then we'll be we'll be back to have more after, uh, with this conversation with Dr. Christina Outlay as we talk and discuss how we can get more children of color into technology. Uh, you're listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, who is on assignment. I am your filling host, Jason Fields. We'll be right back. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth Live from American Family Insurance Studio at Radio City. I am Jason Fields filling in for Dr. Harris, who is on assignment. Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley will join The Truth with Sherwin Hughes tomorrow at 10 a.m. to discuss the Milwaukee County budget proposal and the election results from tonight. It is election day today, so hopefully you all are voting. Again, that is Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley on The Truth with Sharon Hughes tomorrow at 10 a.m. And thank you to Northwestern Mutual for being a founding partner of the new 1017 The Truth. We are proud to be supported by a national leader in financial services, which has been helping families and business achieve financial security for over 160 years. Be sure to download the 1017 The Truth app to listen to our monthly financial literacy interviews with Northwestern Mutual. We are joined by dear friend and just outstanding individual, Dr. Christina Outlay, executive director of Madeum and UWM professor, Whitewater, UW Whitewater professor, uh, health guru, health coach. I could go on and on. Doc, let me ask you this question. I... I am nervous. I'm scared. And the reason why I say that, and I want you to ask, should I be? I'm worried about the fact that I don't know if our people understand the predicament that we are in. If we don't produce more black folks in the technology industry, should I be scared? 
You should definitely be concerned. Um, although that's a tricky question to answer because the question is, do we have enough more black, enough black people? And uh, what I'm going to say is we certainly need more. However, we already have a lot. And uh, what I don't want to do is feed into the narrative I often hear, which is that there aren't enough to recruit. There aren't enough in the pipeline. Companies mm. will say we're trying to hire, but we, but we can't find them. And I know that, that that's not true. The problem is companies have to recruit differently in order to reach those of us who are available and also to remove some of the implicit bias and barriers that prevent us from getting jobs, such as how we look or how we dress or how we act, um, or how we make the environment seem inclusive so that more of our black and brown brothers and sisters want to apply for those mm -hmm. positions. So we are harder to find, and it does take more work and being more intentional to get us and hire us to put us in the field. That said, the fact is that there are not as many of us going into the field and pursuing these jobs. And if we're not on the table, we're what's for dinner, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, for reasons that I've already given in terms of products and services that are for us and by us, and in terms of the wealth gap, those are issues as well. But if we come back to money and jobs, you know, a large number of our, our black and brown people are working in jobs like manufacturing or food service or assembly and things like that. And those are jobs that are being automated more and more today and even replaced by robots. Yep. If you go through Woodman on any given day now, you can see the inventory robots going by or by the UW campus, you see the food delivery robots that are going by. And I know that Trek Bicycle has a robotic arm. So we have initiatives even right now being created to to increase manufacturing positions and assembly positions mm -hmm. and things like that. And those are jobs that are being automated. If we shift our focus to promoting robotics and data jobs for our youth, then we don't have to worry about them losing jobs, right? They're not going to lose their jobs to a robot if they're the ones who are building the robot. And we have to get that point across in our communities when we look at the future and the type of work that we need to be pursuing. You've heard we me. We absolutely need to get more of us in the field. You've heard me say this, and I think it was one of the first times we met and we were talking. I think I was just going off and you let me vent. And I think I believe I told you the story that I made the statement that I'm, you know, I'm sick of a number of programs and policies and a lot of the dollars that I see going to black folks is garbage. Because you, they always regulate us to food, construction, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But from practitioner type level, from the level you're at, the level I'm at, those are the first jobs to go. So heaven forbid another freaking pandemic come or something worse. You are not building a sustainable community if that's all we're doing. And what I love about what you're doing is for me as an economic development practitioner, it's about balance. I don't have the luxury to tell every black man or black girl, you need to go into construction. No, some of y'all need to be mechanical engineers. Some of us need to be creating AI apps. Some of us need to understand how to create these algorithms so we can create the software that will reduce the racism in these systems. And so, you know, to the degree that government can help and this from a, from a, from a professor and from a voter kind of view, since it's a, I said, an election day today. What would you like to see from 
those folks running from higher office, when it comes to this topic, what would you like to hear them say? I would like to hear money <laughs> that is being committed to support initiatives, multi-year initiatives, jobs being created and dedicated unapologetically to improving the diversity in the field and um, less competition being generated between organizations that are all looking to serve our community right. so that we don't have to compete with one another. <laughs> we have more chances to collaborate together. We're not fighting over this small pot of money. And instead, we can all be encouraged to share money and provide a more collective solution. I will say there's, there's some um, promising developments with the city of Madison. The community development division right now is has an RFP that's out in order to provide funding for organizations to provide jobs, youth level internships. They are particularly pushing IT as one of the areas, young adults, opportunities, internships and apprenticeships and so on. That said, the challenge is that, of course, the pot is limited, right? <laughs> you have a bunch of organizations who are all trying to compete for this money. It's not enough not to really support the change that we're trying to make. Hey, Doc, I'm going to give you the last word. How can people reach you or contact you? And the last motivational word for you for, for us to help and get involved. Okay. Um, definitely check us out at madeum.org, M-A-Y-D-M.org. If you go to About Us and our team, you can directly see who's on our team. You can contact me directly at any given point. The biggest support that we need right now is through corporate partnerships, both financial sponsorships as well as corporations who will provide hosting sites paid high school internships for our youth that give them meaningful experience and money in their pockets to support their families. We also need individuals who can volunteer and support our services. And more than anything, we need educators, influencers, and families to encourage your youth to explore STEM, direct them to our programs, and give us a try. Dr. Christina Alley says, thank you for being on the show. And uh, when I get back in town, me and you and uh, Naira Jordan from American Family got to get together. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for everything that you're doing to inspire, help our, not just our young girls, but all of our youth uh, across Wisconsin. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate you so much. Thanks, Jason. Have a good evening. So, ladies and gentlemen, I think what I wanted you all to hear uh, number one, from African-American woman, professor, highly accomplished individual who has made it and is giving back to our community in, in a way that we typically don't always see. And when you're looking at where we need to go, and this is not just as Madison or Milwaukee, but as black folks, we have to start looking at, OK, what's going to be sustainable for us? And we typically get pitted against each other. And the doctor mentioned it. And, and, and she and I, we've had these conversations. I usually get these. Well, I just given money to uh, Ruben Anthony or Alex G. I, I'm, the organization I lead is not a black organization. And so what happens is there's money for us to empower our community and make sure we're moving forward. But we have to do it strategically.
Everybody shouldn't be directed towards hospitality or construction. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those, but my mindset is that we create a black Wall Street. And if you understood what that meant, that means that you have to have balance. You have to have industries and professionals in all areas and walks of life. You can't just be regulated or to, to one specific industry or lifestyle. You know, we need black doctors. We need black scientists. We need everything so that we can move forward. This is the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris. I am Jason Fields filling in for the great doctor who is on assignment. We'll be right back.